0: All right, so we have been working through a series on uh, 1 Corinthians, which is a uh, part of the New Testament, and we've been just going through the book of 1 Corinthians, just kind of sentence by sentence, and just learning what God has to say to us uh, through each section, and today we're going to finish up chapter 2, and we'll be looking at verses 10 through 16, and let me just read the passage. Amen. The Spirit searches all things So Father, we pray that your Spirit would be speaking to us as we look at this passage. God, in whatever way, whatever manner that you want to minister to our hearts, uh, God, we just open them to you, and we receive what uh, you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Imagine for a moment if you had a friend. Who was like the smartest person in the world? Maybe you have that friend, I don't know. Uh, uh, but whenever you had a question, I mean, you didn't even need to go to Google because he would have or she would have the answer. Uh, but they weren't only smart, but they were like super wise. Uh, whenever you were in crisis, uh, whenever you needed wisdom about something, you could ask them, and whatever they said was just like, that's exactly the right answer. That, that's perfect. Uh, what if you had a friend like that who was not only like all-knowing and, and wise, and just, but also just super loving? And in a sense, we, we actually do have someone like that. Uh, that's, that's God. And God the Father, uh, God Jesus, God the Holy Spirit in us who Amen. is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, and all-loving, and actually resides in us. And this is kinda of what this text is talking about today. This idea that God knows everything, and God actually lives in us, so we actually have access to some pretty incredible wisdom and revelation. And so our text begins this way. It says, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit knows everything. There's no secrets between the Holy Spirit and the Father. There's no secrets between the Holy Spirit, Jesus, or the Father. They, they are one God. Uh, the Holy Spirit knows everything, even the deep things of God. There's no secrets in the Trinity. And it's interesting that Jesus prayed... In John chapter 17, that we would be one with God the way the Father and the Son are one. In other words, just as there is no secrets in the Trinity, there should be no secrets between you and God. Now we know there's no secrets God, because God knows everything about your life. He knows the things even you're trying to hide. But there is a sense that sometimes we actually try to keep things from God. <laughs> there's portions of our lives that we just want to hide from God because uh, we might be afraid. Remember what the Bible says, that perfect love casts out all fear. Amen. That we don't need to be afraid of allowing God to move in our lives because God is good, and He is love, and when He moves into our life, only good things happen. It may be, it may be difficult, but in the end, it's, it's good. Amen. That there should be no secrets between you and God at all. And if there's anything in your life that, even thinking about that, do I have a secret between us? If there's anything that comes to mind... You just want to invite God's presence into that, because God is the healing God. God is the powerful God. And sometimes when we have dark things in our life, we want to to hide from church. We want to hide from others. We want to run away because we're we're maybe ashamed of those things. But God is actually the answer. Whenever we hide things from God or run from God, we're actually hiding from the one who is the very answer, who is all-knowing and all-wise and all-loving and actually can touch those things in, in our lives. Uh, God knows every single thing. He knows everything about us. Every single thing from the moment we were conceived all the way up to now and all the future. He knows all the good, all the bad, all the difficult stuff you're struggling with. He knows everything. And what's incredible is that he still loves us lavishly. Right. I mean, uh We don't often let people really into our hearts, like everything, because often we're afraid that if I actually told someone everything that uh, was in my life, they wouldn't like me anymore. This is why we we tend to hide and put on masks, because we're afraid that if someone really knew who I was, they wouldn't love me. But, But God actually knows who you are. He knows everything about you, and yet he loves you incredibly. Not only that, but the Bible says that while you were an enemy, that Christ Died for you. When you were at your worst, God actually did the most loving thing towards you. He died for you. Which is pretty much the opposite of us, because when someone really takes off us off, we're like, I'm gonna kill you, you know, (laughs) I'm gonna get you. Jesus did the very opposite thing. When we are taking God off, he says, I will die for you. Uh, He does the very opposite that we do. I mean, God knows everything about you, but he loves you. And so I just encourage right off the bat that just, just run to Jesus. Uh, run to the Father. Run to the Spirit. They know you, and they want to help, uh, and, and they are good. And so the Spirit knows all things, even the deep things of God. The Bible says, where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Hebrews 4, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight before uh, everything is uncovered and laid bare before his eyes. And then our text goes on to say this, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them. Uh, we don't know what other people are thinking. I mean, sometimes husbands and wives can do a good guess sometimes, you know, uh, but we, you, don't, you don't know uh, what someone else is thinking. I mean, I'm thinking about something. Do <laughs> you know what it is? <laughs> And I'm actually not in my nothing box, because I am am in that quite a bit, you know. When when Marie Marie asks us, so what are you thinking, and I'm always like, oh, nothing, you know. Men have the nothing box. If you don't know though, it is, go YouTube, laugh your way to a better better marriage, nothing box, you'll find it, it's it's really good, it's funny. Uh, (laughs) But you don't know what I'm thinking. I can be thinking about anything. In fact, I was thinking about eating a pizza on Mount Everest. You probably wouldn't have guessed that. Just like random things. (laughs) I mean, no one knows a person's thought except their own spirit. I mean, you don't know what I am thinking. But if you don't know what I'm thinking, then how in the world are you going to know what God is thinking? Because I can only think about things I know, uh, which is not a lot uh, compared to God. I mean, uh, it says in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. I mean, God can think about a billion trillion times more things than I can. I mean, I can't really think about what's going on on some distant star in some distant galaxy or some planet out there. I I have no idea what's going on, but God can think about it. He knows. I mean, he can think about so many things, but if you can't even figure out what I'm thinking, then the text is like, how in the world can you think what God is thinking? How in the world do you know what God is thinking? Uh, But it doesn't end there, because it says this. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. In other words, you don't know what I'm thinking. We don't know what God is thinking, but wait a second. God actually lives in us. So we can, at times, know what God is thinking. We can actually receive revelation from God. We can at times know what is going on in God's mind because God is actually in us. That's what the text is saying. That we actually have received a spirit. You know that? So we have received, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is from God. That when you uh, decide to follow Jesus and you open yourself up to God, you actually receive a spirit into your life. You actually receive something. It's not just like, I've made this decision, and now God's around me, or now I'm friends with God. You actually receive, actually, a spirit in your being. That's what the text says, and this is what the Bible says. In so, uh, 1 for, uh, for Corinthians, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have, again, received from God? In the Old Testament... The Spirit of God mainly manifested himself in the Holy of Holies in the temple. In this room that was kind of uh, closed off to other people by this gigantic curtain. And then the Bible tells us when Jesus died on the cross, that curtain was actually torn in two. In one sense, when that curtain is torn, it is saying we can now go into the very throne room of God. As Hebrews says it, we can boldly go into the throne room of grace. He is forgiven us so much. He loves us so much that we can actually boldly go into the throne room of God. But in another sense, when that curtain tore uh, tore in two, it's also saying that the father comes out. He comes out of the temple and he goes into a new temple. And the new temple is the church. That new temple is you and I. God no longer lives in a physical building temple. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The presence of God actually lives in us. I mean, it's incredible if you actually just pause and think about that. We have actually received the spirit of God in us. And this was prophesied even in the Old Testament. And he says, I will put my spirit within you. This is not some spirit of an angel, not some other spirit of a lesser being. This, God says, my spirit, the almighty, all-powerful, completely holy, good, loving, my spirit is in us, actually moves into our lives. As Romans 8 says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, because perfect love casts out all fear. You received God, who is love. It's not like 80% love. He is love. He cannot possibly not loving, And he's moved into your life. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to, to sonship. And so we've actually received a spirit, the Holy Spirit. And this, and this changes us. This is why uh, people say, when I opened my life up to Jesus, things just began to change. If you were here last week for baptisms and the testimonies, and it's, you just hear this in every testimony that before Christ, I was this, and I was struggling with this, and I had this, and then I opened myself up to Jesus, and things began to change. Why? because you have actually received a spirit, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God has actually moved into your life and it changes us. Uh, We can look at this from a negative sense, and I think I even used this a couple weeks ago, that uh, we would expect if someone receives an evil spirit that they would manifest some evil characteristics. I mean, if you think about someone who is possessed by an evil spirit, you know, or whatever they're doing, you know, uh, something not good would come out at times. Uh, anger, or frustration, or bitterness, or unforgiveness, or whatever that evil spirit manifests, we would expect that someone with an evil spirit would manifest some negative qualities. How much the opposite? If we receive the Holy Spirit, That's right. who is a bajillion more powerful uh, than, and good and loving than an evil spirit, and he's actually moved into us, and it changed, the Holy Spirit changes us. Yes. I Meaning you're the living God of the universe. He lives in his church, and we are his church. He is in you. And he is not weak. He, again, is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving. I mean, how many times do we run into issues where it's like, man, I have no idea what to do, and I'm stuck? There is someone in us who knows exactly what to do. I mean, you think about everything that God knows, and if you put it, like, in a big circle, I mean, how much of that circle, if you're to make a pie chart, do you know? I mean, it's pretty much, you wouldn't even show up, I don't think. I mean, God knows, he, he knows so much. He knows everything. And again, he's not some distant God whale in Pluto that we have to, you know, worship for a few hours until we can try to get his, his attention. The Bible says he'll never leave you, nor forsake you, but more than that, you have received his spirit. Yeah, that's, right. that's why you can never get away from God. I don't care if you hide under the pillow and he under the bed. It. He's in you. You can't get away. Uh, and he's all-knowing and he's all-powerful. I mean, how many times do we run into things where it's just like, I I don't have the strength. <laughs> I don't have the emotional energy. I, I, just, I just can't deal with this. This is beyond my human ability. Well, you have someone in you who is greater than... Than anyone in the world, He was greater than anything you face. And again, he's not away in Pluto. He's not someone you have to work up to go find. I mean, he's he's in you, the living God of the universe. You have received his spirit, and he is loving. And he wants to saturate your being in that love, and in that wisdom, and in that power. Again, sometimes we 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 you know like you know like a, I don't know, like a volcano about to blow. We want to keep keep it from blowing up. But the Holy Spirit, he's like that in us. I mean, he wants to release wisdom and power and love and ministry and kingdom. And so, so often we just try to we try to hold that in. I think the Holy Spirit has always wanted to break loose in our lives. Amen. Amen. The Holy Spirit is wanting to do more in us than, than we could imagine. That's why the Bible says that we are to walk by the Spirit and we're to be led by the Spirit and we're to be filled by the Spirit. Anything in our life that, that tries to squash that God in us, wanting to release his kingdom in us, Oh, we just got to let that go and allow him to work and minister in your life. The spirit of God lives in us. Again, Romans 8, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. You actually received the spirit of God. I mean, the God who created this universe, which is 13 billion light years or whatever they say across and there's, Millions or hundreds, I don't know, I mean galaxies, but there's lots and stars and I mean trillions of stars and and he knows them all by name I mean, he's beyond amazing and He lives in you and he lives in me I mean, how, how should this, you know, tweak our reality of the way we live? I know if you're like me, but often I live just as if it's just me you know, I freak out like it's just me, and I stress out like it's just me. And, and whenever I run into something that, that is bigger than me, I, I want to shrink back. And, and we live off in this reality that it's just me. But it's not just you. Wherever you are, God is, and God's not just around you, but he's in you. And God is calling us to be people who actually live in the truth. Yeah. And the truth is you're not just yourself. The truth is that you are you with God in you. Uh, the truth is that when you run into things that are beyond your ability, great, because now God can do something. The truth is when you run into a situation which is beyond your wisdom, awesome. There is someone who knows exactly what you should do. I mean, God is never far. He's closer than you think. He is in us. We have received the very spirit of God, and and I hope that we just release that and live like that's true. And he goes on and says, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. And so then he says this, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. And if you were here last week, he talked about the mystery of the gospel and these things that were hidden and God has revealed them by the spirit. But this, the, the idea is this, no one knows the thoughts of God, but God lives in us so that we might understand what he has freely given us through the gospel, but also that we might understand things that we face in life, that he might speak to us because he's a God who does speak and he reveals things to us and he wants to live through us. I mean, uh, God is in us. And so he goes on in this passage, he says, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spiritual taught words. And in other words, when Paul spoke, he didn't just speak out of his own efforts and his own wisdom but he was trying as much as possible to allow the Spirit to speak through him. Uh, You remember this passage, we looked at it a few weeks ago when Paul said, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. In other words, when Paul spoke, he didn't want people to say, wow, Paul, great sermon. He was like, wow, God showed up. I can sense God speaking through you. God was real today in the room. And this is how God wants all of us to live our lives. Because God is in us. People should sense something different about you at work. God is in you. You should react differently when someone ticks you off. God is in you. You should forgive quickly when someone makes you angry and bitter. Uh, God is in you. You should speak differently than people in the world. Because you have access to revelation. You have access to God's word, which gives us so much insight into life and, and, and reality. I mean, we, we live in a different plane, this text is saying. We don't just speak out of human wisdom all the time, but we speak with words and thoughts and feelings that are come from the Holy Spirit. And he says, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. And, uh, and it's true. Sometimes people will look at our faith and they just think it's foolish. In fact, probably many of us, before we were Christians, thought it was foolish. I mean, I did. I mean, how many of you thought it was foolish before you became a Christian? Uh, probably a lot of us, right? Because, I mean, this just God came down and it was like born as a virgin and died on the cross and rose again. It sounds, sounds like a fairy tale kind of thing. It, it just sounds foolish, right? Until... Until you have an encounter with God, that's right. Mm. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Until those issues that you've been struggling with and have been making your life just, just rot into the grave, all of a sudden the Spirit of God moves in, and you, and you realize, oh, this is real. This is this is totally real. Until you've been picking up the Bible, maybe, and you've just been reading through, and the Holy Spirit just begins to reveal truth, and you begin to realize that this this is real. Or maybe you begin to look at the evidence of Christianity and realize that this, this is no fairy tale. This is actually faith founded on fact. And, and I mean it's foolish until you have an encounter with God. And those of us who have an encounter with God, we we know God is real. Oh, yeah. And when He reveals Himself in my life, that it's not just me, that, that it's it's God working, working through me. Uh, but if you don't have the Spirit, you don't understand that. I mean if you've never been to the top of Mount Everest, it's hard to understand what it's like. You can kind of think about what it's like, but, uh, but you can't understand what you've experienced it, and, and it's the same way often in the reality of Christianity. And if you are here, and maybe you think Christianity is foolish, or you're here, and, and you just kind of you know, think, well, that just sounds weird. I, t- I tell you, it's, it's more real than you know. And I would invite you to explore Jesus and open your life to him and and ask some questions because he he will change you when you do. And he goes on and says, the person with the spirit makes judgments about all things. In other words, when you're walking in the spirit, you're going to have incredible insight. You're going to have incredible perspective on things in this world. Because the God who knows all things is actually in you. Uh, when you're walking in the Spirit, you, you can make brilliant judgments. You can, you can say things that people are like, wow, that was really smart, and uh, because you have the Holy Spirit in you. But such a person, that is the person who has the Holy Spirit, and this is kind of a complicated verse, uh, but the, such a person, the person with the Holy Spirit, is not subject to merely human judgments. In other words, if someone looks at us and says, you're foolish, that doesn't make us foolish, because... We have the spirit, and and it's true, and some can call it foolish, uh, but it's not. It's like, you remember in Acts, when when Paul was trying to explain the gospel uh, to Festus, and Paul was saying the Messiah would suffer, and at first, uh, to rise from the dead, uh, would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles, and and then it says, at this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You are out of your mind, Paul. I mean, you're crazy. (laughs) And sometimes people do that. They, they, they make judgments on followers of Jesus and say, you're a foolish, you're out of mind, you're crazy, you know, you're a nut job or whatever, you're just, you're just you're out there, right? Uh, they even said that to Jesus sometimes. But did those brothers, when they called Jesus out of his mind, that affect his reality? No. Uh, when people think it's foolish, did Festus affect Paul's reality? No, we're not subject to merely human judgment because we are we're living in the power of God, which is kind of what the text is saying. And then, last verse here, we go back to our point. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Again, he asks the question. it's A quote from Isaiah. Who has known the mind of the Lord? He, he is so big and grand and he knows so much stuff. Who knows what God is thinking? Who, who knows what, what the mind of the Lord is? And then he says this interesting statement. But we have the mind of Christ. Who knows what Jesus is thinking? But Paul says, but wait a second, you have the mind of Christ. Who in the world would know what God is thinking? You have the mind of Christ. The part of our transformation and the idea of God living in us so affects our being that there are times when you actually have the mind of Christ. In other words, what you are thinking is actually what God is thinking, and they're one and the same. Hebrews 8 says, That God will put his laws in our minds and write them on our hearts and he will be our God and he will be our people. That he actually puts his laws and puts his word into our minds. And so there are times when you actually have the mind of Christ. And so when you actually say something, you're actually speaking God's word. You're speaking revelation. Uh, There are times when maybe someone asks you a hard question and you're like, in in your own human flesh, you're like, but then you answer and you're like, where in the world did that come from? That was brilliant. You ever had that? Because you have the mind of Christ. Or, uh, you know, you I mean, someone comes in, all of a sudden you have a sense about this person, and you talk to him, and you find out that you, that, you, that your sense was actually right, because in Jesus, because you have the Holy Spirit in you, and he's wanting to burst out, you have the mind of Christ. know, sometimes people say, I, I've never heard God's voice. And, and if you're talking about some booming, audible voice, okay, I can understand that, because... Probably the majority of believers haven't. There are lots who actually have, but I don't know. I've never had that privilege, uh, but some of you I know have, but usually God doesn't speak that way. Uh, He speaks in lots of different ways. That's not the point of today, but one of the ways he he speaks is he will put thoughts into our mind because we have the mind of Christ. And I guarantee you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you may say you've never heard the voice of God, but I guarantee you that things that you have said have been exactly the word of God because you have the mind of Christ. In fact, sometimes we don't even realize it. Uh, clear story is this in in Matthew chapter 18. Remember when Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am, looking at the disciples? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Ding, ding, right answer. And sometimes we give the exact right answer. And, and maybe like him, uh, Peter was probably like, yeah, see, I knew I should be Pope. Yeah, I got it. You know? <laughs> I'm smart, you know. Uh, I'm the best of the disciples because I have the right answers. You know, it's not Jesus. It's, just, it's you are the Messiah. I am so amazing. I should be the most famous Christian ever. I mean, everybody should look to me because I, I have the right answer. This is, I, I'm awesome. <laughs> well, look what Jesus said to him. And no doubt Peter thought that came from his own mind. That was his own thought. That was his own own smartness. But Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. In that moment, Peter had the mind of Christ. I mean, he thought it was his own thought. But sometimes your thoughts are actually God's thoughts because you have the mind of Christ. And we've got to be careful about... That's why we always need to stay humble. (laughs) Because sometimes our wisdom, which we think we're so smart, is actually just the mind of Christ in us. God God in us. There are times when you speak and you say things to people, and, 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 and God is speaking through you. You have the mind of Christ. And it can be so powerful. And if you sense God saying something to you, you speak it out because it can radically change people. I mean, there are millions of stories who, of people who have had just a word for somebody and they've spoken it out and it's changed people's lives That's right. because they have the mind of Christ. On the other hand, we got, better not get too cocky because there are times when we don't have the mind of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and Peter's a really good example. Do you know in the exact same chapter he speaks again? And it's totally not the mind of Christ. <laughs> uh, just a little bit later. Uh, oh, we passed it here. Oh, it's not in there. Okay, anyways. And just a few verses later, you remember when Jesus was talking about he's going to be crucified? And Peter looks at him and says, no, you are never do this. And, and, and Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Right? <laughs> I mean, he goes from having the mind of Christ and speaking revelation that comes from the Father to speaking something that comes straight from the pit. That's right. And we all are capable of doing this, by the way. Right. There are times that we have the mind of Christ and we are speaking revelation and words that are coming from the Father and there are moments when we are really off mm-hmm. and we can hurt people. Yeah. That's right. yeah. It's why we've got to be really careful about how we give these words. And I would always suggest unless you're really, really seasoned at this, to never say, thus saith the Lord. Yes. Unless you're really a seasoned prophet. But, you know, I have a sense that God is saying, or I feel God is saying. Because there could be a moment when you have the mind of Christ, and there could be a moment that you're actually just speaking out of your pride. Yeah. Maybe a moment you're just speaking out to get attention, because, man, if I stand up and say something, then these people are going to look at me. And We need to stay in the mind of Christ. That's where we need to stay. Yes. Yeah. And the way we do that, oh, there it is. Look at that. Oh. <laughs> Colossians 3. To set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. I mean, if you want to be in the mind of Christ, just constantly think of kingdom. Be putting away pride, be walking in humility, as, as just, just walking lower and lower and lower in front of other people so it's not about you, and I tell you, you will generally have the mind of Christ. To think about kingdom purposes, to think about what God is doing in them, is to set your mind on things above. Or Romans 12 do not conform to the pattern of this world. The pattern of the world is, it's about me. i got to look good. i got to look famous. i got to have people's attention. I have, I have no value. But we know in Jesus, we have all the value in the universe given to us through our identity in Christ. We don't need to try to gain identity from other people. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good pleasing, and perfect will. Then you'll be able to test and approve of what God's will is. In other words, then you have the mind of Christ. That we constantly need to walk in this place where we have a renewed mind, where we're thinking about Jesus, where we're focused on the kingdom, where our, our thoughts are on what God is doing. What not? Uh, not it's not about, you know, God, God, would you bless me? It's about God, may I be a blessing to you. And I encourage you, if you can just walk in the kingdom and walk in the Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit just to leak out of your lives, I mean, it's amazing what we can do as a church. We have the mind of Christ. Who in the world knows what God is thinking? I do sometimes. (laughs) Not always, but sometimes I do, and sometimes you do, because the God who knows all things is in you, and therefore you have the mind of Christ. So God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit lives in us. God, we thank you that you are not a distant God. We thank you that you are a God who is all-powerful, and you're all-loving and all-knowing, and you're all-good and all-holy and beautiful. God, we thank you for this totally undeserved privilege of having your Spirit in our being. God, would you forgive us for limiting your Spirit in us? God, would you forgive us right now for any sin? of resisting your spirit. Any sin of bitterness, any sin of unforgiveness, any sin of having a grudge towards anyone. God, any sin of of excess anxiety coming out of the fear that you're not really with us. God, any fear in us out of a belief that you're not really with us, God, would you forgive us for those sins? And God, I pray you would instill the truth in us. You see, the truth will set us free. God, we want to be free in your spirit. God, would you fill us with just a powerful sense that never leaves us. God, that you're just with us, and you're in us, and you're around us. God, I pray you'd help us to live boldly, that we'd not be afraid, we'd not shrink back when people look at us and say we're foolish, because we know that you are real, and you're more real than anything else. So God, I pray you continue to do powerful things in and through us, in Jesus' name.